here we are, the last Sunday of 2014. The next time we all get together like this, it will be 2015, so I'll see you next year. <laughs> Everybody does that. And I was thinking back, I was thinking about this this past week, growing up, you know, back in the 80s, way back when, in the 80s, uh, growing up, the year 2000 just seemed so far off. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, in grade school, I remember one of our teachers told us, you know, by the time you guys are grown up, it'll be a whole new, a whole new millennium. You know, we'll have the year 2000. And they asked us, to, what do you think the year 2000 will be like? And, you know, it just seemed like it was never going to come. And we just had these wild ideas about what the year, you know, trying to figure out what, those, what the future was going to be like. But 2015, we always knew exactly what 2015 was going to look like. Do you know why we knew what 2015 was going to look like? Because that's the year that Michael J. Fox traveled to in Back to the Future 2. So, within the next week or so, here's what you have to look forward to for 2015. The future. Still looks fake. Hi, friends. Goldie Wilson at third. So there you go. Within the next few months, we're going to have flying cars. We're going to have uh, shoes with power laces, which I'm looking forward to. And we're going to have 3D movies that try to eat you. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to 2015. That's, that's what it's going to be like. But whether we actually get that or not, whether those things actually happen, I think we do have a lot to look forward to in 2015. 15. I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about what's happening here. And so today, we're going to take just a little bit of time and look back over 2014 at some things that have been happening that God has been doing here. And then we're going to look ahead at, uh, at 2015. First of all, I want you to turn in your Bibles. We're going to go way back. We're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And if you're using the Bibles in the pews, this is page 911, page 911 uh, on your Bibles, and you'll find Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is a passage we've gone, through, we've gone to a lot. We've, I've preached on it many times. There's a lot of ways to look at this passage. More than anything, what I want you to see about this 
passage of Scripture is God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness to the church in the first century and how God's faithful to us here in the 21st century. How God will be faithful in 2015. It says there in verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We look back over 2014, and I think what we can see for us is that 2014 was a year of devotion. He says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And that's a great example for us in that verse right there of what it means to be a church. It means to be devoted to to the apostles' teaching. When we started 2014, we were in the middle of a sermon series from Paul's letter to the Romans. We were in the middle of the apostles' teachings. And I told you when we were in Romans that we have to be really careful about Romans because God does stuff when people study Romans. Every major revival in the last 2,000 years has begun with a study of Romans. God works through the, through the letter to the Romans. And so we've, we, uh, we have studied that, and we've seen some amazing things happen. We saw devotion to the apostles' teaching. We've also seen devotion to one another. We've seen devotion to the fellowship. And we've seen some wonderful examples of that here as you guys have been devoted to each other. I don't know how many people know this, but Carrion's yard got mowed all this past year by a group of people from this church. They, they took it upon themselves. Jim kind of organized it and got people signed up. And people were there every week mowing their yard. They'd show up at like 6 a.m. while Nancy was still sleeping. And they'd mow. No. <laughs> Praise God they didn't. But they, they mowed Nancy and Bill's yard every week this year and, you know, took such good care of them. I mean, you guys took such good care of the Burgettes and, and blessed them through the difficulties that they've had this year. You've blessed the Camps and the Down families in some amazing ways and, and so many other people. He says breaking bread. And I, I want you to know when, he's, when he says breaking bread, that's not just communion. That is communion. You know, that's sharing meals with one another and, and, and blessing each other through the food that we, uh, that we share Every week in here in the other room, kids come for a meal and for prayer time. We've had up to like 40 kids uh, from the high school on Tuesdays, or on Wednesdays, excuse me, come and, and have, just be blessed because you guys are giving towards that. You guys are helping with that. And it's just been an absolutely amazing ministry that, is, that has sprung up because three girls came to us and said, can we come and pray on Tuesdays? And we said, we'll feed you if you bring a bunch of people and pray on Tuesday. And so that's been absolutely wonderful. And prayer. Everything that's happened here has been done with prayer. Back in in February, uh, Steve and I and the elders went to Lincoln Christian University for a uh, a one-day leadership 
seminar. And uh, so we're up there learning a lot of great stuff. We're looking forward to going back to it again this year. But we're up there for a one-day leadership seminar. And in the middle of the afternoon, uh, my mind kind of started wandering. And I pulled out my notebook, and I just started scribbling some ideas. And I don't use this phrase very often, but I really felt that the Lord was leading me to pray for five new families this year. Just, just five. And I thought, Lord, five? That's, that's ridiculous. You know, I know you can do better than that, Lord. <laughs> but, you know, so, so just five families? And I sat there, and I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for five new families. I turned to Bob Webb, and, and I said, Bob, I just feel led that, that we're supposed to pray for five new families this year. And so right there, I just started praying, Lord, five new families. Give us five new families that we can sow ourselves into, people that we can, that we can fellowship with, we can celebrate with. Five new families. That, that's not too much to ask, is it, Lord? It probably wasn't. I'm going to say 20 minutes later, but it probably wasn't five minutes later. My iPad lit up, and there was a message from somebody in our community. And the message was, hey, Brett, what time is church tomorrow? My family and I are interested in coming. And I'm like, no, that, that just happened, you know? And, and, and over the course of the year, we have seen new families come in. The best I can count, the best count is we've seen at least 10 new families as part of our fellowship. Uh, from, from transfers, uh, like the Goffs back here, uh, and, uh, and Jason uh, you know, getting baptized, and, and so many others um, that we've had, to the Simonses sitting back in the Simons chair, or the Simons seat back there. You know, we, we, we've seen new families come in, and, and, and overall, I think we've seen about 10 new families that have, that have started coming in and becoming a part of our fellowship, becoming a part of what we do, the Pearsons, the Davises, and a lot of other families. And, and like I say, transfers like the, like the Hoods and the, and the Goffs. But let me tell you what that prayer has done for me. Because I've been praying for five new families, I don't consider it a coincidence when someone comes in here on Sunday morning. I don't consider it a coincidence when someone suddenly decides they want to come to church. And I've let them know that. When we've had conversations, we've stopped and talked to some of these families, I've said, look, here's my prayer. I've been praying for five families. And the fact that you're here and, and, and I've been praying about this, that tells me that you're here with purpose. That tells me that God has brought you here. Now, it's no accident that, that Jeff and his, and his kids started coming to church here. God's drawing people to us. God is honoring our prayers. As, as I've shared that with a few of you, and I know some of you have joined in with me on that prayer, it, it's caused me to treat people as a blessing. And it's caused me to recognize that we are all here as a part of God's greater purpose. Now, in addition to new families, uh, we've also seen some new commitments. And we have seen a number of people who have said yes to Jesus and who have committed to him in baptism. We have had baptisms from as young as about 12 years old um, with Gracie uh, to as old as, well, as old as Susan Vale. Okay? We'll just say that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of run the whole gamut there of, uh, of, uh, of ages, which is wonderful because it's not just one age group. It, it shows the, an overall healthiness to what we're doing and how we're ministering to a lot of different people in this church. We've, uh, I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. The average church in America, and I just consider that's average, so that's median. There's some that are doing more, there's some that are doing less. 
But the average church in America will have one new convert, one new person, for every 58 people in attendance per year. The average church in America will have one new commitment for every 58 people in attendance per year. We have had, all together this year, we have had nine baptisms. Nine, oh, wait a minute. Ten baptisms, because we're having a baptism this afternoon at about four o'clock. Tom Twig is going to be baptized, and uh, Tom's going number number ten. If anyone's interested in being number 11, I mean, we're going to have plenty of hot water, so, you know, we can go ahead and get you taken care of if you're interested in being number 11, but ten baptisms. I want you to think about that, okay? I don't want to give you guys a big head or anything, but you deserve this, okay? This is you guys. The average church in America, one new member for every 58 existing members. You have had the spiritual influence over this last year. You have had the spiritual influence of a 600-member church. You get that? You understand? Can you own that? Okay, that's on you guys. That's what God has done through this fellowship. That's what God has done through this church. It's an amazing, you are growing at the capacity of a 600-member church. Now, if I look at verse 47... It's a far cry from 47. It says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So at the very least, the church in, in Jerusalem, if, if the Lord is adding day by day, at the very least, they, they had 365 new members. Although we know it was, it was more than that. You know, 3,000 came in, in one day. But at the very least, there was 365. I don't know where I'd put 365 new people. Um, but... Uh, you know, the, the, the Lord has blessed us in some amazing ways. Uh, we have, he has blessed us as we, have, as we have devoted to Him. And what it shows us is Kansas Christian Church in 2014 does not look the same as Kansas Christian Church in 2013. Do you get that? There are different people here in 2014 than were here in 2015 or 2013. It also tells us that Kansas Christian Church of 2015, next year, will not be the same, cannot be the same as Kansas Christian Church of 2014. And so we have to look ahead to 2015, and we need to see that, that 2015 will be a year of definition for us. It will be a year of definition. The church fire took place in 2011 right? 2011. This summer, that will have been four years ago. Four years is enough time for you to graduate from from high school and go on to college. Four years is enough time to throw all the bums out, right? (laughs) Not out of here. No, out of Congress or out of of the the government. You know, that's a gubernatorial term. That's a presidential term. Four years is is enough time to, to see turnover. Life four years ago does not look the same as it does now. Uh, Life in America, life here, doesn't look the same as it does four years ago. It's a very different world. And for the last three years, we have been able to skate by on being the church that had the fire. We have made our identity. Oh, Kansas Christian Church? That's the church that had the fire. That's the church they lost lost their church in the fire. That's been our identity for the last three years. 
But we have new families here, at least 10 new families, at least 10 new people, 10, 10, 10 new members who never set foot. But we have, we have new, new families and new members here who never set foot in the old church. We have people in our church for whom the fire is not a part of their story. It's not part of their history. It's not part of their context. And so we cannot allow our past to define who we are going to be in the future. So who are we going to be from here on out? What's, what's the focus going to be? If someone asks you, what is Kansas Christian Church all about? What are you going to tell them? I want to give you three words today. Okay, Three words to define who we are, to define what we do, to define us, to define our commitment. And those three words are gather, grow, and serve. Gather, grow, serve. Can you repeat them with me? Gather, grow, serve. One more time. Gather, grow, serve. You are going to hear those words over and over in the coming year. Gather, grow, serve. You're going to see them. You're going to hear them. You are going to repeat them. By the end of 2015, let's say this summer, let's say this summer you cut your arm off in some bizarre weed whacker accident. Okay? And you use your other arm to dial 911, and you pick up the phone, and the operator says, 911, what is your emergency? I want you to say, gather, grow, serve, and I cut my arm off with a weed whacker. You know, that's, that's where I want you to go. I want it to be such a, such a part of who you are and, and what we do that it's the first thing that comes out of our mouth. Gather, grow, serve. Look at the text again here in Acts chapter 2. And let me ask you, did they gather? Yeah, you bet they gathered. Yeah, they gathered. Um, they were all together in verse 44 and had everything in common. They gathered, verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together. They gathered together. Did they grow? Sure they did. They grew spiritually. Verse 43 says they were in awe. Uh, that, that's, that's spiritual growth. Verse 44 says all who believed were together. So they were growing spiritually. They also grew numerically, that the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Verse 47 did they serve? Did they ever? They served each other in some amazing ways. Verse 45 says they took care of each other. They met each other's needs. And it seems to me, as I've, as I've prayed through this, and as I've looked at this idea of gather, grow, serve, it seems to me that, that these three things feed each other. As we gather, we grow. And as we gather, we serve each other. As we serve, we gather and we grow. As we grow, we gather and we serve. They just feed one another. Uh, we grow together, uh, deeper in our understanding of Christ, and as we do that, we, we gather more and more. I've already forgotten. Uh, what are those three words again? Okay, you aren't just reading them up there. You remember them, right? Yeah? Okay. Gather, grow, serve. Gather, grow, serve. Yeah. You go to Kansas Christian Church, right? That, that's the church that had the fire. What are they doing now? Gather, grow, serve. Gather, grow, serve. God has proven to us that He is faithful. All through 2014, God has proven that He is faithful. We were praying for five families. God blessed us beyond our prayers. And I believe as we commit to Him, and as we commit to each other, as we commit to gather, grow, and serve, God is going to bless us even more. But it is more than just words. It's a commitment, and it needs to be seen in everything that we do. 
It needs to be seen in everything that we say. It needs to be seen in every interaction that we have in here and out there in the world. And so we have to make a decision. We have to make a commitment to gather, grow, and serve. One of the things I'm constantly aware of in my preaching is I need to make this real to you. I need to make this book real to you. If all we do is talk about it, if all I do is get up here and talk about the Bible, if all we ever do is, is talk about church, what, what good does that do? If I'm, up here, if I'm up here answering questions that you're not asking, then that's not preaching. That's, that's worthless. And so this coming year, through the messages, we're going to look at this call to gather, grow, and serve. And, and what a daily commitment to Christ and a daily commitment to each other is all about. Now, obviously, it's going to look like more than just sermons. Okay, There's going to be other stuff besides just, just sermons. It's a commitment we all have to share. And as, we, um, as we've grown this year, as we've grown this year, there's, there's an interesting problem. There's an interesting thing that's been happening. And this, this has been happening a lot uh, after church, usually back there at the back door, sometimes during the week, someone of you will come up to me, and if it's back there, you whisper. You lean over to me and you say, who is that family up there in the front? Who's that family sitting over there? What's that guy's name? I, I see him in church all the time, and what, what's his name? And I don't know what their names are. No. <laughs> you ask me those questions. And it's not that you're not friendly, because I know you guys. You are way friendly. You know, you're very, very friendly people. But you need more opportunities to be friendly. So we're going to try to work in some more times for us to gather. And I'm not talking about potlucks, because the last thing we need is to have potlucks every week or anything. But, but there are going to be some times for us to gather. Maybe just a little time to, what we used to call linger longers. You know, just to get to know each other. Now, the plus side of that is it probably means the sermon's going to be shorter on those weeks. Is that okay with you guys? Some of you guys? Yeah? No, not everybody, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're going to spend a little more time in fellowship and getting to know each other because you guys are a friendly bunch. You are a very welcoming bunch, and, and you really need to get to know. We've got some wonderful people going to church here, some fun people. You really need to get to know them a little bit better. So we're going to spend some time doing that. There are other commitments that need to happen, too. And I'm going to pick on you just a little bit here, okay? My family visited three different churches this past year. We went to a church in Quincy for my birthday. Um, we went to a church in Kansas City. I don't remember if it was Missouri or Kansas, though, uh, for a wedding. <clears throat> and then we went to another church for, uh, for Trisha's birthday also. And so when we go to other churches, I pay attention, and I try to observe what's happening at those other churches and what they're doing that we might be able to do just to, to kind of be a little more welcoming to our visitors. Since I'm a visitor at their churches, I, you know, I play it up. I, I pretend I don't know what I'm doing, and uh, you know, I just kind of enjoy being a visitor when I go. There's a couple of things that they, that they did in those other churches. One of them, there was guest parking in the front row at one of the churches. And that was on my birthday. And you bet I took that row, that parking spot in the front row. Because it said guest parking. I said, I am a guest. And so we parked right there. I took a picture of it. You know, we just, we just absolutely loved that. We felt really special. There's something else we did 
at all three of those visits. And I didn't even think about, we didn't do this on purpose. It just happened. But thinking about it this past week, I realized all three of those visits, we did something that we never do in church. Never. As a family, something that we never do. We were unfamiliar with the churches. We, we didn't know how they worked stuff. We didn't know when they did communion, how they did communion. And, you know, we had the kids with us. We came with our own challenges. We had Connor with us. We were kind of shy, you know, didn't really know what to do. We did something we never did, and we did it all three times. We sat in the back row at all three of those churches. We sat in the back row. In unusual settings, when you're not sure how things are going to go, when you're a visitor, and, you know, we've got Connor with us, and we're sitting there and we're saying, do they take communion all together? Do they hold it? They've got the little cup holder. Do we wait? You know, how do we, how do we take communion? It was just so much easier to sit in the back and, and be, be ready for those kind of things that we weren't, we weren't sure about. But here was, here's the real unusual thing. Here's what was really unusual about those churches. No one was sitting in the back rows. The back rows were completely empty in those churches. So, for 2015, as we gather, grow, and serve, one thing I want to ask you to do, you regulars, just scoot up a little bit. I'm not going to bite you. And I, and I don't spit while I preach. Some, some preachers do. That's why we have covers on the communion stuff, by the way, because some preachers spit. <clears throat> I don't spit while I preach. Just scoot up a little bit. And give our visitors a chance to, to sit in a place where they're going to be more comfortable. Um, it's not just that, you know, we, we do a great job of welcoming people. We do a great job of talking to them when we get a chance and, and being very welcoming. But, but part of being welcoming is creating an atmosphere that welcomes people. Creating a, a setting where they're going to feel welcome. So just consider those last few rows back there to be visitor seating. Scoot up a little bit. I won't bite. I won't yell too loud. It's going to be fine. But I want you to consider two things. Sometimes visitors come in a little bit late. Sometimes they come in just a, just a little bit late, and they got kids with them, and God love them. They've made a commitment, and a rough commitment as a family to be here. It, for some of you guys, this is, as, you know, this is as easy as getting up and putting socks on in the morning. <laughs> you know, you, you're just in the habit. You always know. Sunday comes, we're going to be in church. For some people, it's down to the wire, the last minute, and something can happen in that last minute to change their mind. So we need to create an atmosphere where they're going to feel very, very welcome. They come in late. They come in a little unsure about, do I want to be here? Do I not want to be here? They come in with kids, and they don't know where do the kids go. Do the kids go into the other room? Do the kids stay here? How long do the kids stay here? You know, we're trying to, to be more open and, and, and be more communicative with that kind of information. They don't want to have to walk out in front of a lot of you guys. But I want you to consider this also. What's it say to a visitor when they have to sit down in front of you? When they have to come to the front of the church? What's that tell a visitor when, when other visitors in other churches get to sit in the back? And what's that say to them if they're having to walk in front of you? If, if you're committed to this church and you're sitting back in, well, if you're sitting back there where visitors sit, <laughs> what does that say to the visitors? What's the, what's the message that's there? 
I promise. I will be really nice to you if you sit down front. You sit a little closer. I, I will. When I came to Kansas, I came back to Kansas, I had one prayer, one real commitment, and it continues to be my prayer, and I want it to be your prayer also. I think there's one promise in the Bible for the church that we can always trust, one promise that always works. In John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to me. There's a lot of gimmicks out there that tell us how to grow a church. There are a lot of plans to tell you how to grow a church. Every day, I get emails. We get letters telling us if we just do this and sign on and pay them $100 a month, they will grow our church if we do these plans. We get emails, we get phone calls, we get letters. All day long, or all week long, we get these things telling us this gimmick will work, this gimmick will work. And you know, some of them do work. But there's one promise in Scripture that always works. If we lift up Jesus, if Christ is lifted up, He will draw people to Him. It always works. When we lift Him up above our our personalities, when we lift Him up above our programs, when we lift Him up above our plans, He will draw people to Himself. We even lift Him up above our church. We lift Him up above our own identity. He will draw people to Himself. We can gather all we want. We can serve all we want. But if Christ is not at the center of what we're doing, we will not grow. Our call is to make sure that He is seen in everything that we do, that He is heard in everything that we say. And that begins with us turning our full attention to Him. It begins with us turning our eyes upon Jesus. We're going to sing that. In just a little bit, guys are going to come forward. We're going to take communion together. We're going to meet him at the table and meet one another here. We've had an amazing year. There have been some trials. There have been some joys. There have been just some amazing things. But all through this year, God has been good to us. God has blessed us in some amazing ways. I can't wait to see what he's got ahead for us for 2015. Even if I don't get my flying car, I'll, I'll, I think I'll still be okay. Let's, let's stand together.